I wanted to find out some more information from you. Um, we actually were learning some um, about the flipped museum um, in our curriculum. And that's definitely something I wanted to touch on for sure. Um, but I'm also really curious about, you know, this first question here about, you know, what really um, just given you know, your innovation in like growing relationships between digital tools and museum and arts education, you know, like how did that begin? Like how did your arts um, uh, education journey like begin and how did it become what it is today? So, so stepping back from what I wrote, I never, um, so when I was a college intern, um, I interned at a contemporary arts center um, and explored the idea of museum education. Um, and decided to get my undergraduate degree in art education. Mm -hmm. I didn't see myself so much as a teacher, but I fell in love with teaching um, and taught for 13 years. So that's the part of my story that I probably didn't um, explain in that paragraph. Mm -hmm. But the idea of being um, at a state art museum in the state that not only I grew up in, my children that I'm raising now um, are are definitely part of my motivation, but also like North Carolina is, is part of my heritage. Um, we go back 13 generations in North Carolina. So there's a lot, of, um, a lot of history there and some of which that I feel responsible for um, taking some responsibility for. So um, I think that, that the idea of being at this particular museum, doing this work that I'm doing and increasing access to these experiences through art is, is why in the end, technology is a great tool to be able to do that. So mm -hmm. I hope that answers your question. Um, probably yes. what I've put in purple is more succinctly written. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Definitely, I think, um, you know, living in this area and, you know, being able to give back to the community, I know it's a really big draw. So that's fantastic that, you know, you're able to do that, you know, in such a widespread, you know, way with the reach that the North Carolina Museum of Art has for sure. And um, remind me again, have you always lived in North Carolina or? Well, I've been here for about since 2006. So I spent like the greater part of like my adult life here. Um, mm -hmm. I went to NC State. Okay. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time like in that vicinity, but I mean, I always love visiting and, you know, it's just such an impactful institution. So, mm -hmm. um, I was really glad that we could connect that way. Absolutely. And, and I hope there's some more opportunities that, that we can connect outside of this short window of time, but um, yes, absolutely. I would love that. Uh, all right. I did want to ask you about you, the omnidirectional cameras and a lot of like the VR exhibitions that you guys have done, um, mm -hmm. you know, with O'Keefe and Ansel Adams and just kind of find out like how that began, you know, and what successes and like failures um, were you able to glean from that and, you know, what you learned um, in developing those. So less about the omnidirectional camera. And this mm -hmm. is probably one of the big ideas I want to emphasize is that Technology is just a tool mm -hmm. and the bells and whistles, we get caught up. I think a lot of college students also get caught up in the bells and whistles mm -hmm. um, and, and adults and funders and decision makers and the leaders of our museum. When I present a project, they get so impressed by the bells and whistles of it that I'm really trying to emphasize what what the impact is on the user or the visitor. So. Um, I think, and we bought some of those omnidirectional cameras to play around with, we bought one. Mm -hmm. um, what we learned is the power of 
that particular technology to immerse the user in an environment. I see. So doing that in a way that either t transports them into, I, I might've talked about it in that um, RTP. I think the title of that presentation was something about transported, but mm -hmm. to transport them to another place, transport them like the conservation lab 360 does, transporting mm -hmm. them into um, a space that's somewhat off limits, even for museum staff to mm -hmm. go in and learn about a conservation lab. Um, or as this new experience that we start beta testing this afternoon to, um, to take them into this virtual world where other people can engage virtually. Like it's a totally different, um, um, you're transported into a space with maybe even different social constructs, maybe even different, um, um, uh, ways about go, going about like hopefully more student choice to be able to explore. So yes. I think some of the biggest lessons that we learned that I sort of touched on in those first two or three things is the need to really define our goals. Right. When, the Ansel Adams project was the first one that came about and it was an exhibition related um, virtual reality experience. So we were limited to the content and we didn't have the rights for the content after the exhibition. So I'll never ever do that again. Even the Georgia O'Keeffe one, mm -hmm. I got money because it was a temporary exhibition and I've posted it on NC May Learn, but it was not developed with the user in mind from the beginning. It was developed with the idea that it had this side and, and y'all will, your, you and your classmates will see that like museums have so many different priorities that sometimes it's a marketing priority that we need to get people into the exhibition or what is education doing to program for this exhibition. Um, so as a museum, we use a dozen different types of logic models, but to say, this is the impact we want to make on the, on, on the user. This is the activity that's going to do that. And this is how we know that we've been successful. This is how we're gonna measure it because the kid says, ooh, cool, or, you know, um, whoa, or whatever it is. That's how we know we have um, met the objective of all in wonder. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that comes back to just being clear um, in your goal setting to, so I think that would probably be one of the biggest things that, that we learned is coming back to that because there's a lot of distractions, mm -hmm. um, internal distractions just within our team and everything else. I think I also mentioned um, just the idea about accessibility. Right. Um, the last project, so Ansel Adams, Georgia O'Keeffe, we really did not um, address accessibility hardly at all in either of those two experiences. The conservation lab we did, but it was an afterthought. With this new experience, it is, is if you design at the margins, so that you know someone that is visually impaired, someone that is hearing impaired, someone that has neurological um, in, impairments um, on the spectrum, Whatever it is, if, if we're designing for any browser, any um, device, then it's, that it's going to be accessible for all. 
So I think that's the key because a lot of technology, it would be very easy for us to design a virtual reality experience that only a very, very small segment of the population can experience. Right about I know any of these exhibits. So mm-hmm. um, it's actually so interesting that it's like also like an integral part of, you know, development. Um, mm-hmm. It know, should be, it should be. But even for us, it's sometimes an afterthought that we have to sort of catch each other on. And I think I mentioned, um, you, you referred in the, the Oxford lecture uh, mm-hmm. questions about the design process. We've recently begun exploring this equity-centered design framework, which allows you to have these equity pauses. Mm-hmm. And, and as you're developing whatever the experience, the resource, the program, that you're, you're first addressing your own bias and your own positionality and thinking about who else do I need to be hearing about in, in the production of this thing. Um, and you build those opportunities in that you're you're asking them those questions you're partnering to co-create an experience whatever it is but then you're um I think this this idea of beta testing constantly with users as part Mm -hmm. of that process um and and not always knowing exactly what you're going to create in the beginning staying open that your user might tell you something that you had not even anticipated and it will be so much better if you allow yourself to have that space to um to respond to their their needs and questions rather than having it so like one of the easiest things in grant proposals is making a clear enough beautiful picture that anyone would want to fund it but when you really start a a project you get into it and it's like oh this community doesn't need this at all you can't come into a especially um an underserved community and and realize that oh they don't they don't even have vr headsets so they don't have the devices for these things so then it's like oh so that totally changes the project so i think um i think that having a process in place that supports reflection and um deep thinking is is super important so primarily you know we've been doing prototyping for this class, you know, our main objective is to, you know, do a lot of research about, you know, like do user interviews, conduct those and do a couple different rounds of prototype testing just to see, you know, like kind of like you mentioned how, um, you know, do users even want to use this and will it be helpful for them? You know, is it going to accomplish the goal? I guess it could say in your head, you know, it can sound a certain way. Um, and then when testing comes around, you're like, wow, like that's definitely kind of pivoted my whole project. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to find out more about, you know, what's you've been doing with the Museum of Art and like what's your experience in going through that process, um, you know, testing and like some of your biggest surprises and successes about that. All over the place. Um, (laughs) I think for um, here, I'm, I'm trying to go through and sort of build upon some of the things you mentioned the 3D printer and I did reference um. I think in the Oxford presentation that we did a virtual field trip where we send the school the plans for two ancient Egyptian amulets and that the school can print out on a 3D printer so that when they have their virtual field trip and hear from the curator, 
Um, we've got some video footage from the curator, but the majority of the presentation is an interactive conversation with an educator, but that they could actually touch this, you know, amulet. To be honest with you, that's been our least success. That has the sex appeal, you know, it's 3D printing and virtual reality. Um, um, Egyptian fans was the first man-made material. So it's literally like the first technology that we have. So thinking about ancient art and technology, there's so many great things about this, but that's been our least um, high demand virtual field trip. It doesn't um, meet the needs of our audience. Mm -hmm. So what's been really popular this year is social emotional learning. So addressing the needs of mindfulness coping strategies um, and some of the things that we're beginning to do with self and social awareness and empathetic listening. So I think the biggest lesson learned if, if I could from prototyping and whatnot is just it's a humbling experience. <laughs> fail fast, fail forward. So um, to if you're not failing, um, one of our community partners said, if, if you're not messing up, you're not taking enough risk, you know, and, and that was in some of our equity work, but I think it applies to everything that we're talking about. You, you have to take risk to be innovative. And if you're not messing up and you have to take that messing up and failure as, as evidence of risk-taking um, and it's humbling because you, you, I was really excited. That was my idea about the 3D printing thing. And we may be taking that off the menu of programs just mm -hmm. because we don't have enough people to continue justifying it. So learning to let go of, you know, learning to learn and, and fail fast, fail forward. So that that's the biggest lesson that I think as far as related to prototyping I can share. Cause it's, it's, um, it's easy to talk about, but whenever it's something that you're like really pet, you know, educators, we get really excited about these ideas and you okay. feel some ownership, um, but you got to let go of that. It's not about, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's really about how do we connect someone with an experience through art? Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm glad that, you know, you're able to talk about kind of like that prototyping process, you know, just because mm -hmm. it's been a really, really big um, part of our semester thus far. Um, I did want to find but, but out. Check, check out the libertary design process because mm -hmm. that adds an additional lens, equity lens mm -hmm. that I think um, was new to us. And I think it's very new to the field of museum education. One of our partner organizations works with the Equity, equity Institute, but um, to build in equity pauses into the design process was new to us. And that I think Dana might be really interested in that too. Okay, perfect. Fascinating. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 